Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I am Chris Hill, but one of your hosts, and uh, with me is Kyle. As always, as always. Yeah, I mean, I'm here almost all the time, all right? I'm popping <laughs> out podcasts left, right, and center. So. Yeah, and, and, and even, and even when, when those times you weren't here, you were still here because I made sure to use your, your versions for the, the adverts and stuff like that. I noticed that on... Uh on the last writer's room actually when I was listening back to it and I heard my voice come out of nowhere (laughs) on it (laughs) (laughs) so you're right I think I have appeared still on probably all but one maybe not the first writer's room don't know if my voice got used on that uh, I think I I did did you for the closing Uh, I think so cool cool so yeah see haven't missed one always there if if not it was for when we were going to do what was it by the or Oh, whatever, whatever the first yeah, yeah. novelization, book first book review was. That's right, yeah. Didn't think about that. Well remembered. God, it's so long yeah. ago that we started these book reviews. Um, it feels... Yeah, and we're already we're already pretty much done through the uh, the in-series run of the, the novels. Which is nuts. It just shows yeah. that the book sales were just dying off for Enterprise, at least. Yeah, I can say at least for Enterprise, because they were still pumping out Lo- the original yeah. series and TNG at that was time. It, like, it was like two a month or something at that point. Uh, yeah. Whereas now it's lucky to be one a month with the books. Yeah. Um, but I think even like yeah, it's getting to be one a quarter uh, now. It's, it's, it's just funny, isn't it? That there's um, I guess costs of writers and publishing. Mm-hmm. It probably just makes it not worth their while because there's a market there for it. You would think. Yeah. Oh, yeah I just definitely. um, I don't think there's much. Well, I don't know the ins and outs of the business. I was reading about it actually a few months ago, but I guess with the printing costs and stuff, like that's why. Uh, they print the discovery books now on the um, the bigger sized ones, yeah, the big uh, ones, because it's actually cheaper to the to them yeah. as a printer or something. Because I can't remember what the whole thing is behind it. I have to double check it, but I think it's more like they don't have to print a load and then try and sell them to all the shops. Now they kind of yeah. print more to on demand, I think, or something. So I'm not sure, but yeah. it works out cheaper for them anyway. Yeah, I guess they they even do that same size for for the original series and and next gen novels and stuff to come out. So yeah, yeah. that's just going to be the the size. That yeah, we get. eventually, I think they'll probably try and go completely online with ebooks. But yeah, you know, I've seen a couple of years ago when Kindles and that were really taken off. I remember everyone saying it was going to be the death of bookshops and things. Mm-hmm. Then I saw other arguments saying, well, no, bookshops just need to adjust adapt uh, sell some other yeah. things and you know we've seen this with cd shops and stuff uh, you know they started selling maybe dvds and all things like that yeah. but then i think the bookshop or at least the book made a comeback and it was kind of thought mm-hmm. that actually the the e-readers were a little bit of a a trend a fad as we yeah. call them over here just a bit of a fad and that they are not going to put the book business not going to change the book business forever basically but uh, i mean i don't have figures to hand for that i just remember reading articles because i'm always really interested chris in in that side of things so things that could change the future you know i was mm-hmm. chatting today actually to katie about my son he had a an online session with his teacher and half his class just a 15 minute sort of contact session whilst they're um yeah whilst they're currently uh, not allowed to go to school and he's only five just in five at the time of recording and i said to katie i said it's nuts that like my son is so used to doing video calls now at the age of five mm-hmm. because when I was five, <laughs> ten, even maybe a bit older, yeah. I used to watch Star Trek and see them do the video calls back and forth, and and I mm-hmm. thought that was so futuristic to the point that a part of me thought I would see that in later life, but late late yeah. life, but another part of me thought I'll never see that in my life, and yet my yeah. son now at five <laughs> years old, it's it's how he's doing school right now. <laughs> It's it's yeah. nuts, isn't it? So, uh, so I think that the it looks like the e-reader hasn't had quite the same impact on uh, on the world as video calling and things. But I do prefer reading on my Kindle personally. Uh, yeah. I've got a Kindle Paper White, an old model now, but 
you know those are the ones that have the light built into it so mm-hmm. it's not like a it's not a screen you know it's not like the blue lights and stuff damaging my eyes i think but it's also not just the dark background on it and because okay. how does the kindle work is it, isn't it like an ink based thing that shows up on the screen i think so and so my paper white it obviously the, the screen lights up behind it so that i can use it in the dark without having to have a light on and yeah. uh, i've really enjoyed using it for my enterprise reads for this i'm currently reading card book on paper and it annoys me because i have the light on and i have to <laughs> when it's i get really tired when i read and so when i have to yeah. then sort of stretch try and turn off the lamp the cat tries to take the pillow off me uh, and all sorts uh, going on if i knock something down it wakes a kid so i personally am all about about reading on my e-reader even if i do like how a book looks in my collection yeah yeah i gotta say for for me right now the books are mostly there for for collection and display <laughs> because i i wind up reading reading on my phone since i haven't gotten a kindle or anything like that yet i've been buying track books again since they bought out the first discovery book i used to buy loads and yeah. i foolishly yeah. got rid of more which makes me really cross now <laughs> yeah so i started getting the discovery again and i actually haven't finished any of the discovery books i've started reading two of them <laughs> but i just every time i'd pick up a book and read I've... a page i'd fall asleep not because the book was rubbish but yeah. i it's like the thing i do right at the end of the night and so as yeah. soon as I focus on it, I just I just start falling asleep. I can't make sense of what I'm reading. Yeah, they're untouched. There's like six or seven books now as well. And I just, they're sitting there looking pretty. I will get into them. Yeah. It is my intention too. I finished the first one and I think I'm about 85% done with the second one. That's the Lorca and Jojo so, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Drastic Measures? Yeah, because first one's Desperate Hours, second one's Drastic Measures. Yeah, and I was getting confused. I call so. it, I call the first one desperate measures uh, and then the other one drastic hours and i get really confused i'm like no, yeah. that's not right <laughs> but we are here to talk about enterprise novels today yes yes uh, before we get into that chris my um my sort of first viewing of ncis new orleans continues i've watched okay. i've watched some more of archer now that he's based in new orleans after um finishing his run on the enterprise so uh, I am now completely accustomed to the new accent that Captain Archer has developed uh, <laughs> since leaving the Enterprise, and I'm kind of falling in love with the show actually. So uh, I haven't watched a Good. I haven't watched a crime drama. I guess you guys call them like procedural drama yeah. things, and I haven't watched anything like that for for years. I used to really be into the CSIs like maybe yeah, 10, 15 years ago. I stopped watching when you know when Gil Grissom left CSI. Um, yeah, and I liked Miami. Miami got <laughs> chopped, and then. I was a big fan of New York when that when that launched. Yeah, but I haven't really been in any since then. So seeing this one now, NCIS New Orleans, it's not as flashy as the CSIs were, uh, but uh, right. I'm down with it. I love the New Orleans, just the environment on there, the uh, the music, uh, all that stuff that's on the show. So uh, if you haven't watched NCIS New Orleans yet, I would thoroughly recommend it to anyone who's listening to this. It's good to see Scott Bakula again. Yeah. Uh, I believe that Dean Stockwell's in an episode in this first season as well. Another yeah. reunion for them, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth definitely worth your time if you're uh, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, and 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 speaking of Enterprise and NCIS universe crossovers, actually, uh, Jolene's in an episode of JAG. Wow, as well as I think Anthony Anthony is too. That would have been pre Enterprise, yeah. I'm trying to think of. I think was it, it, it might have been around the same time. Okay. So God, Jag. I never maybe, watched maybe it. Maybe like slightly before. I never watched Jag. It was always on TV. Like my my <laughs> mum would watch it. Yeah. I think. Or maybe my dad. I can't remember. It was, someone in my house was watching it, but I never got too interested in it. But the fact it's don't they the stars still appear on like the NCIS shows and yeah. stuff. I'm like, man, they they probably did not think. All, all of them have. They so. probably did not think at the time that they could still be playing those characters twenty yeah twenty years later or something. It's nuts. Also, it's made me realize um, just after. How many have I watched? Two. I've watched five at the time of recording. I've watched five NCIS New Orleans and, and plus two of like the backdoor pilot, which was in the NCIS. Mm-hmm. And just that alone, so what's that, seven episodes, has made me realize that it's not safe to be in the Navy in the US. <laughs> you, know, you, you do all that training and you're just going to die on your own land, in your own country, from something probably not related to what you've done for your country uh, and then I looked at the fact that, you know, uh, New Orleans now, I think, is racked up like 140 episodes. I was going to uh, by the end of the season. Yeah. The original show is on like 400 episodes. You've got the L.A. one that's probably done about 200 or more. I'm thinking, God, that is a yeah. lot of Navy deaths that have occurred on U.S. Mm-hmm. soil. Plus, 
I guess I plus you got the ones that occurred, you know, in the ten seasons of Jack. Oh god, too, I mean, so. this is nuts. <laughs> Just through the NCIS shows, we're pretty much charting more deaths in like the U.S. Navy uh, from just all those knockers things than in some wars that your country has fought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and don't forget the men's department of the navy too, the marine. Corps. Oh, I think uh, I think that came up in the episode I just watched. Actually, someone might be from the marine corps. So. Yeah. Um, it's nuts. <laughs> How do they get so many stories just yeah. for <laughs> just from people dying uh, who who happen to be sailors? You know, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they took some some you know historical mm. things and just kind of brought it off where we're within the last you know shoot twenty five years that that yeah. they've been doing doing them so yeah check it out guys scott bacula captain archer himself leads ncis new orleans now now it's time to plug yeah yeah let's (laughs) let's talk about why we're here as well yeah (laughs) yeah uh we're we're here to talk about uh the book daedalus in case you guys haven't been been listening and say if you want to provide you know feedback on this or any other episode uh you can follow us on social media at nxo1 podcast um all the big three you can also uh join the the nexus which is like our little community group where where we post about uh you know not only our shows but like you know other other things of of geeky yeah, interest so we we've started to expand Marvel movies that, and so. uh, the new mm-hmm. uh Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla whatever the film's called or um Star Trek toys and stuff that are coming out just yeah anything and everything that's to do with sci-fi uh, and or fantasy so uh, yeah please pop along we, we see yeah. the download figures say, we yeah, know when... how many people will listen to our shows let's boost the numbers of people talking in the nexus uh, about anything uh, come yeah. come join our community if you're not already a part of it and if you haven't already go ahead and uh, subscribe to our, our podcast here if you're able to like if you're listening to this while you're driving i wouldn't recommend it but as soon as you get to where you're going pop open your player and, and, and hit the First subscribe because we 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 want to have responsible, safe drivers that listen <laughs> to us. We also have a uh, Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash nx01podcast. And the details for that are right here. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nx01podcast. There you can view our subscription tiers. Some of the benefits of becoming a patron include early access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and so much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all of our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we would be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Again, visit patreon.com slash nx01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details of this podcast episode. Welcome back. Kyle, uh, you, you ready to get into this? I am, yeah, I am. This is actually the biggest gap I've had on this show between finishing a book and, and yeah. talking about it. Yeah, I normally try to finish the book like the day before or on the yeah. day, which ha- has its pros and cons. The pro is that the book is very mm-hmm. fresh. I've normally just started reading it that week. I'm not, you know, I'm not a very fast reader, but, you know, I get, I get through it in a week um, if I have the time. And... Sometimes I'm really sweating yeah. it <laughs> and I'm cutting it fine um, to get to the end of it before we record. But on this one, obviously, we have you know, a little behind the scenes sort of uh, glimpse, but we had to change recording yeah. uh, dates uh, a couple of times for this one. And so I'd actually finished the book about uh, eight days, I think, before we're yeah. recording this now. So, uh, But yeah, I'm ready to sort of go back into it, uh, sink my teeth into it. Let's have a chat with you. We kind of had a little bit of a brief chat about it after we finished recording yeah. our last episode, and then we were kind of like, "No, wait, we you need save to some of this, save this for the podcast." <laughs> so, um, uh, but I think there's going to be a lot that we can uh, that we can talk yeah. about. So, um, as promised in the last one, I do have a summary for for the plot on this one. Um, <laughs> so, so that means you've got Daedalus's children. So we'll just kind of do it that way. How about that? Yeah, that's fine. I think that's on my. Uh... I think that's on my uh, editing run anyway. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
So uh, the book kind of starts out, trips on the Enterprise, they're kind of tinkering with the, the, the Sulaban cell ship, and, you know, he's he's kind of perplexed by the uh, by the drive for that ship, and it kind of takes him back to the uh, Daedalus project, which he worked on some, what, what, what did they say, like 13 years prior? I think it was like 15 years, yeah, wasn't the, it, or thir- yeah, 14 or 15. Yeah, yeah about four, 14, 15 years prior, and, and so... He, uh, he had to uh, kind of clear with because because he had one one of the uh, engineers was was helping out with it trying to figure out what was going on so he had to talk to Archer about you know sort of briefly declassifying the the information relating to the project so that way the the engineer could get a little bit of background on what Earth was trying to do with with the uh, ion propulsion that the uh, Sulaban cell ship uses they're kind of going along to see this anomaly. Um, and then they kind of go to investigate it and they go, they were going to use the, the Sulaban ship kind of cloak in, kind of observe this pre-warp civilization that's, that's near this anomaly. And as they're investigating the anomaly, the ship gets attacked. They, they don't really notice anything up until these, these mines start hitting the enterprise. And then that's when, when this force starts to attack them. Uh, and I say Hoshi was working on, you know, getting uh, sort of a universal translator set up so that way they could have could, you know, silently observe what was going on with the civilization um, at, at the time of the uh, the attack. And Trip and Hoshi were the only ones that were near the, uh, the cell ship at the time. So they climb in, they cloak it, get it out pretty much in the nick of time before getting captured by by the uh, the. the the Denari, which are the uh, the aliens that are in this area, and so they go to or they they wind up landing on an asteroid because they find out that there's a tiny little hole in the the seal for the door, which is making them lose air pressure. They wind up uh, meeting with the opposition forces of the the ships that attacked them, and they they're they're known simply as the Guild. Um, when they go onto the to the guild's ship, they uh, or you know, Trip starts noticing sort of like a metallic smell, and you know the 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 decon chamber that they have affects them in sort of a, a painful type way, and they can't quite figure out what's going on. Um, sort of in order to to get the cell ship repaired repairs completed. Trip kind of has to do a quid pro quo, and he winds up, you know, helping helping them, you know, get their engines fixed, and then kind of gets caught up in helping helping these forces, you know, in what winds up being a prison break. As they're as they're on this this penal asteroid, uh, General Sadir, which is the the le- leader of the the forces that attacked Enterprise, his guards figure out, you know, that there's there's sort of a prison break going on, and one of the teams kind of sacrifices themselves so that way Trip and two others from the guild can kind of go in and, and take care or go in and grab the people that they're trying to get. They actually only wind up rescuing one of the prisoners that they set out to grab, and it turns out to be Professor Brodesser. So yeah, he winds up meeting his his old boss on the, the Daedalus project, uh, Professor Professor Brodesser. And so they, they, they wind up, you know, getting him out of his cell, taking him back to, to the guild's main ship. Before all this happened, Hoshi was trying some some of their food and wound up being put into a coma. And they couldn't quite figure out exactly why this was the case. The doctor that they had on board, Dr. Trant, uh, she was just running all sorts of tests, trying to figure everything out. Well, they're still trying to fi- figure that out. A uh, new mission is is sort of hatched to capture General Sadir because Rodesser has given the guild sort of like the decoding frequency of Sadir's communications. So they're able to kind of monitor and help start to turn the tide of this civil war that's been brewing for about 13, 14 years. And they wind up making it to Sadir's palace and they're about ready to capture him. But Sadir has a poison pill and takes it so that way he evades capture that way. The way that they were able to to get that is they did have the cell ship, but also one of the guild's ships, they 
uh, Brodesser was able to incorporate the Sulaban's cloaking into that ship. So that way they were kind of able to take them on from, from both ways. Trip kind of sees stuff from from the ship that they had saved after the Daedalus had met up with the Denari. And as Trip's kind of going through the things, Trip had, had the copy that Professor Brodesser had, or that was given to Professor Brodesser as they were getting ready to launch. And he finds another copy of this book, but he thinks it was just taken from from the Enterprise and not, you know, a part of part of the Daedalus from from when it was brought over until he reads his inscription, because the inscription that that Trip had put in the El Cid novel that they had given Brodesser, he said, you know, thank you for the best year of my life so far. But in this book, it says, thank you for the best year of my life. And then that's when Trip realizes that they've actually kind of crossed into an alternate universe. And that is where the book ends for part one. Cue the uh, best of both worlds part one ending score here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what are your uh, initial thoughts after reading it? Uh, Well, the thought I had during the book... Mm -hmm was that I couldn't quite work out whether I was really enjoying it or really frustrated by it. And there's a few reasons for that. The first one is, this is the same author who wrote What Price Honor? And I thought that What Price Honor did a fantastic job of getting inside Malcolm Reed's mind. And, you know, we saw the tale from his perspective. And I I really enjoyed almost every word of that, that book, even if it did peak a little earlier. The problem in this book was that I don't know if the book even ever peaked or if it did it may have been very early on with the attack on the enterprise <laughs> and it just the, the writing style felt a bit different to me and it's a shame because i was really looking forward to this one just because of the author yeah and i just thought some of the sentences were just really short and it felt like a little bit of it was just written because it needed to be written if that makes any sense and when you read the notes from the author uh they, they talk about how they struggled to get this book written and then mm-hmm. i thought you know what? I thought that kind of gels with what I thought about some of the writing in some yeah, parts of the book. Not the whole bit, book, but just some of rushed. it. It was, yeah, rushed and a bit, a bit to the point sometimes, and lacking in any real description and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I used to do a lot of writing, so I guess I picked up on that myself. Uh, but actually, the story is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought the concept was great. And, of course, I didn't even know I was reading... Well, I guess we'll talk about that in a bit, but I didn't know I was reading a book taking place in an alternate universe. But there was was a lot there. And the only thing I would say is that, you know, without having read the second part yet as we record this, did it need to be a two-parter? Could the book have been condensed? Could this book have been condensed down into one half? You know, and then the other book, the next book, be the other half of it? in one book rather than split over two. So um, I wish I knew why they did it as a two-parter, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, it was still, it was still well-written. You know, I I actually, for the problems I had with Surak's Soul, the last book, when I look back on it now, I really loved some of the, the writing in it, the way it was mm-hmm. written. And I, and I kind of missed it. When I was reading this one, and um, so I do think that our author here did the um, their first effort was I think a stronger one all round. I think every aspect yeah. of it, but this book had a is playing with a bigger concept, and we haven't yet seen yeah. the payoff, so it's hard for me to comment on that yet. But I mean, those are my first thoughts that I had on it. How, how about you? What did you think? Um, I, I, I did enjoy the story once, once sort of, I got, got into it. Uh, like, like I had said, I'm not sure if we put this in last week's episode or not, but I said that, you know, once I got into it, I was able to, to, to actually knock it out fairly quickly within the, within the rest of that day, sort of. Cause I, I think for, for me, it really didn't kick in until about halfway, re- about halfway reading it. And then I was like, okay, I got to got to get this finished and I was able to read that second half there there within basically an afternoon so yeah like I can say I did notice a couple of the things you brought up I even talked to uh to Heather 
because she she's already read both of them. Okay, and so she she, actually, she she knew what was coming as well then. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and she she agrees with you that that it could have been just one book and not, oh, not a no. two part book. Oh, this is this means I'm going to be set up for disappointment with uh, with part two of this story. Well, no, that just means that just means it gets paid off in the second book, and and true, and, and we'll see why. So, I'm a I'm a but, glass half empty kind of guy, and you're a glass half full. Is that the right way around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I'm, I'm I'm more optimistic, yeah, you're more it. pessimistic. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which I think that that kind of you know works for for the dynamic we got going. Definitely you say? does, yeah, absolutely. So I had the. So, did she enjoy this book? Yeah, she she enjoyed it. Um, but you know, like 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 you you had said, you know, it could have been one one book and worked out just as well. Yeah, yeah. So, did, I mean, I kind of kind of kind of went in, you know, with that that back half, knowing that you know we're gonna get a cliffhanger here at the end. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, and just kind of wait for a couple of answers to to come forth. But the the answers that they they had set up and and delivered in the first in this first book, they they did did or he did uh, Stern did a really good job on it. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't much left unanswered, was there apart from well, the cliffhanger, and yeah. um, not even so much like, the cliffhanger, but the situation that Trip was in when that cliffhanger yeah. sort of came to be. And I mean, that hit me out of nowhere that cliffhanger but i guess i i don't know for you which book do you think was written better uh what price uh, honor or this one i'm not asking for like the uh, your favorite book but which one do you right, think was written right. better um honestly i'd say what what price honor was written a little bit better than this but i'm taking that you know just solely on this book and not you know both books together yeah. uh, that, that are coming up we may look so. back on this book differently once yeah (laughs) once we've done our next our next book club yeah okay well i I think we're all agreed that heather as well that this book was it was a good book but i don't think it leaves you with uh, as warm a feeling in your tummy as uh in your stomach as uh, what price honor did Um, yeah i guess we'll uh, we'll sort of break down other parts of the book more now i think yeah um i can say you know right off the bat like 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 we've said you know this has nothing to do with the season four episode of the same name yeah and in that and in the season four episode you know this was the basically the 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 father of the the human transporter (laughs) yeah was trying to get his son back yeah so which i think at, at at i think had had they had the sort of combination process that they do now the the season four episode probably would have been called something different yeah i agree with you i think there's a little bit of synergy now between uh between tv and and media side of things that mm-hmm. um, it's like alex kurtzman said and other producers you know it's canon until it's not now yeah so anything in the books that's why the books tend to be prequels a lot of the time Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're not as like they don't have to do that whole leave the characters as you found them kind of thing yeah. that that will inevitably happen in this <laughs> this two part that we're reading and stuff you know <laughs> it's the nature of the beast but um, I guess it yeah it's it's a lot better now isn't it uh, with Trek like I I mm-hmm. consider all those books I'm reading the Picard for me they are canon as as yeah. I said until they're not so until something is said on screen that contradicts. Them, which did happen with Discovery's first book, the Spock and Michael yep. relationship, but beyond that, they've largely they've largely kept it pretty tight. I think even I can't remember what, but I think Tilly's book um, it even gets a mention to Nuts. one thing uh, yeah. in in season two of Discovery. So yeah, there's that synergy's there, and I think you're right. If, if that had existed back when this came out, which must have been about 2003, I'm guessing maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh- this this one right here came out in yeah it came out in uh, December of two thousand three, and then the second one came out in May of oh, wow. two thousand four. Yeah, God. And at that point, Enterprise had completely changed the show because <laughs> of the yeah. Zindi arc. Um, but yeah, I think they would have avoided reusing the name, wouldn't they? Really. 
Yeah, because because Daedalus probably that the episode probably wasn't written until maybe Daedalus's children was was coming out, May, or maybe Certainly. actually a year or maybe a couple months after that. Actually, yeah, a couple months yeah, after. Yeah. yeah, certainly being talked about about that time. Uh, probably in the May of May of two thousand four. But now, I I guess say would, would did you find any any uh, lines or anything you know kind of like okay that's that's kind of weird and and not really right and probably not how they not exactly how they should be thinking. Um, not that stood out to me. Uh, now, okay. like I said, I mean, eight days later after I finished it. Uh, and I was taking my time with it as well at, at the time, so I can't think of anything now. I, I've obviously have seen your notes for this yeah. podcast, and I can see the, <laughs> the one that you're about to discuss now. And I guess I'm going to ask when you explain it. You know, when did it take mm-hmm. place? Because I'm wondering if I did notice it at the time, but didn't make it, but it didn't make a big deal of it in my head. Because yeah, it came up. When uh when Trip and and Trant were were kind of you know go going you know around Trant's husband, which which Heather was very disappointed in when she was reading that about about her trip. <laughs> was he as he was trying to find that line? Maybe we should talk a bit about that relationship then that Trip okay. has because I was disappointed in Trip uh, yeah. in this book. This was out of character. For Trip, yeah, and I gave Stern a lot of credit in What Price Honor for nailing the characters from start to finish in that book. Mm-hmm. This was out of character. We have Trip who kind of starts to fall for the Doctor on this alien ship. She falls for him. Uh, he eventually then finds out that she's married to someone on the ship who is pretty been well been been so even tortured so, and stuff uh, before. Tortured. Yeah, that uh, yeah. yeah. Can't really speak well, can't really function, can't really function as a lover, was the impression I got. And eventually, despite trying to play against it, Trip starts to get involved in uh, an affair with this woman. And that felt very out of character for Trip, because I think you always talk about how Kirk is misrepresented uh, Mm -hmm. in pop culture and and even amongst Trek fandom as being this like womanizer and things, which, um, you know, you, you say he wasn't on the show. Trips did follow a set of rules, really. With yeah. um, even at this point, when the author's writing these books, you know, yes, Trip was hooking up with aliens, and uh, we saw it in last week's episode, uh, the unexpected audio commentary. He was doing all that, but he he never put himself in a situation where he was disrespectful to uh, like another right. man in that or, or woman, whatever it may be, in that partnership. And we saw that later in season four with T'Pol and her husband. You know, mm-hmm. when Trip stepped back, Trip didn't make any attempt to try and get with T'Pol once she was married. Yeah. You know, he he waited until that old, you know, that, that marriage was annulled or whatever the term may have been for it uh, on Vulcan. And I think that uh, I think that it was just very out of character for Trip to get involved in this affair. I don't think Trip would do it. I, there's not a part of me that thinks Trip would have put himself in that situation, knowing, um, yeah. knowing that there was a husband, and and particularly the situation with the husband. It just didn't didn't sit right for me. That actually, and it felt very unnecessary at this point. I don't know if it's going to play no. into the next book, but it was an angle we didn't need in the book. In fact, it might have been more interesting had he not gone through yeah. it because the tension was quite. It was quite fun to read, actually. I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you, did you think it was out of character for a trip? Definitely, considering you know all the times on screen where he once he's realized that this person has a partner, he's like, okay, I'll I'll step away. So that's how Trip's mom raised him. Yeah. Yeah. Be, being not, nothing but a gentleman, but you know. <laughs> But but then again, you know, th- this just might wind up being the exception that proves the rule for him. Could be. So let's just talk about this line then. This troublesome yeah. line that uh, that you've thought was in the book. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But 
uh, it, was, it was basically, you know, how he he didn't need to get involved with with Trant the night before their mission to keep up his strength. All right. Okay. And this go this goes back to to the whole, you know, with with boxers saying, you know, women wait will make you weak, yeah. and stuff like that, and it's. To, to to me, it's just a sexist line that doesn't need to be be in any literature anymore. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't picked up on the nature of the first part you mentioned. Then, like you know, don't be with her the night before because it will make you weaker. I guess that yeah. that kind of ties in. I guess to um, isn't there like I don't know about in America, but in the UK, there's like our top athletes, footballers, uh, are kind of like mm-hmm. banned from having sex. Uh, the night before a game or something like that. It's um, it does a it's something to do with your body uh, or yeah. alleged thing anyway that these um, some people might have theories on that um, you you I guess it's more aggressive in the game. I don't know if it what it what it is, but um, the idea being that you lose that part of your game if you've had sex. So maybe it was alluding to that. But I mean, it's funny to see that. Yeah. I, I get. I guess the problem with that, anyway, is that it's so. If that was the intent behind the line, then it was never expanded on. Yeah. To explain that, so actually, it does just come across as as uh, quite sexist and, mm-hmm. um, I guess, archaic now as well in approach. I doubt there was any sort of bad intent there. But then, as I say that, you know, it, it does yeah, make you think about every, the portrayal every... of Trent. Yeah, and every every instance, you know, in in past media that I've you know kind of seen something similar, it's it's always presented as you know women will make you weak. You don't need a woman, yeah, type of thing. And it's just yeah. And I'll I'll be honest, you know, I've I've kind of flip, flipped on how how I've perceived lines like that in in you know really since between the time that this book was actually written and now. So well, you and I are male, and you know we were raised a certain way, even in different countries. Mm-hmm. We we were raised when we were boys um, around a. I don't even think I wouldn't want to say it's a, a philosophy or uh, or lifestyle, just like a a school of thought that you know men were superior. Uh, and women inferior in whatever way that may be you know we were coming off the generations where it was expected that the woman would stay at home and do the cooking look after the kids now you know we're we're the first we're probably the first generation where that's entirely not true and is probably a very small percentage is like that of of a woman staying yeah, at home. Yeah, I guess yeah, I think I think we were the first like one of the first generations where it was where we were raised entirely like that. Yeah, so I think that we were being taught things as we were growing up by people who were from a time where you know that that wasn't even considered sexist. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. considered sexist to to say talk about women making men weak or uh, women staying at home and doing the cooking and look after the kids whilst yeah. a man works wasn't considered sexist now that doesn't mean it it wasn't sexist because it was you know it was absolutely um, you know it absolutely was but it wasn't considered sexist a lot of time i I think a lot of women probably lived that way quite comfortably because they didn't realize that there was or there should have been more opportunities for them and so i think for us and you saying that you're the way you think has changed since then same for me my friend i mean this book would have come out i want to say 2003 so i would have been uh, I would have been seventeen. Yeah, at that point. Seventeen is. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely would have probably not thought anything of lines like that then. Uh, yeah. Not to say that you know I was sexist or bought into that stuff then, but I just wouldn't have been programmed to look out for them and call them out in the way that yeah. you have on this. You know, it didn't even occur to me. I said this earlier when you asked me, or as you put it in the notes, and and we've become much more enlightened over the. Over the last few years, I think. I think the last five years has been, definitely, particularly for me as well, very eye-opening. Anything I say, my children are around, and they'll see and hear. Particularly my son, he's very mm-hmm. aware now. So I have to carry myself in a way that my child, who is going to enter a world even more evolved and open and transparent right. and all these words um, in the future, in 20 years' time, 
I've got to set him up for that. But the truth is, I'm coming from a completely different period. You know, so yeah. I need to learn now for him in 20 years. Yeah, it, it almost seems like like we we were born about five years too early to actually, you know, really be able to do all the things that, yeah. that we're now seeing that we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, so yeah, I guess, like you said, that, that comment in the book about women making men weak coming from the good guys in the book actually is yeah. uh, is disappointing. Sort of trying to tie it back around, I guess. But yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I probably noticed that line and just kind of thought it's such just an innocuous shrugged, line. Shrugged yeah, yeah, but actually, and I keep thinking it's product of its time, product of its time. Mm-hmm. But I need to learn from that that I shouldn't give a free pass to things. Right. That because like, you know, like, like when I watched the original series, you know, I know it's a product of the 60s, but at the same time, you know, it's one of those where, okay, you know, we see we see with, you know, using today's lens, we can see where it's problematic and, you know, not excuse it, you know, going forward because of that, but kind of just acknowledging that it's there. Yeah. And and, you know, kind of maybe, you know, pull, pulling it back a little bit and, you know, researching, you know, how culture was a little bit you know different there, you know, with when it came to costume design and all that. Yeah, I, as well, like because you know I know a lot, a lot of the things that get brought up is you know the the mini skirts and you know the 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 woman of the week you know being scantily clad. Yeah, that was at at the time seen more of more as a liberation thing, not so much as a sexualization thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because you know I me and Katie have that conversation almost every time now that we <laughs> watch TOS for um, our podcast, her first track, and and yeah, you're right. You know, as you said, it could be seen as liberation. We haven't been seeing it that way. You know, I think sometimes Katie's felt a bit yeah. uncomfortable uh, with it. And I guess that we have to look at things as a product of their time. But however, if we are still watching them in this time, we do need to kind of hold them accountable. Like with TOS, yeah. I can say, yes, it did create lots of opportunities. Yes, it did. Maybe it was liberating for a woman to be able to show this skin and stuff and all that. But the truth is it was done through a male gaze. You hear mm-hmm. the stories of how certain people were behaving off the camera with some of the yeah. women that it does make it seem it doesn't seem very genuine sometimes, you know, and right. we have to put our hands up. I know you're a TOS fan and we all praise TOS for, you know, what it what it did and for for lots of groups and and such. But it did a really bad job in truth with women yeah. to how it how it stacks up now. And to look back and say, geez, actually, that wasn't great. I and mean, how can you be talking about empowering women if you're if women are losing jobs on this show because they won't sleep with you and, and things like that? Right. You know what I mean? You, you, it's 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 not right. And um, for this for this book to be making a little comment about that, I guess, you know, in 2003 as well is it yeah. it shows you that although there's a lot of us now really speaking up about these things on social medias and things like that. But it it has been until very recently that all of us, particularly mm-hmm. men, didn't bat an eyelid. Yeah. At comments. Now I'm it, trying to imagine a woman reading that. Yeah. Now would she be offended at the idea of that the book suggesting that women make a man weak, or has she had it drummed into her as well right. that that's true, and that's even worse because that's. That's then men trying to get women to believe to believe that crap because it's not yeah. true. Dude, my whole experience, my entire life, right? Um, if we're going to say that they either make you strong or weak, my whole experience would be that they make you strong. You know, my, my yeah. mother is a strong woman who would do anything for her family. My God, even my ex-wife, who I don't even speak to anymore, she was a, an incredibly <laughs> headstrong woman. My, you know, Katie, mother of my children, incredibly strong woman. To the point, it's frustrating, <laughs> and but great fun as well. But incredibly strong. Uh, this like, and they make me stronger. You know, every woman mm-hmm. I've been around, and I think it, I think it's bullshit. Look, a man can make a woman weak. A woman can make a man weak. That's down to characteristics. That's not down to yeah. That's not down to gender. You know, it's no. it's not that oh well, you're with a woman and she makes you weak. Oh great, actually the exact opposite. Women bear our children my man yeah <laughs> you know they they, yeah. they populate the earth they are the stronger 
the strongest gender, if we're going to say, or the strongest sex, yeah, you know, yeah. if we're going to say one is stronger than the other, well, they, they literally populate the planet. It doesn't, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that they need our seat. They carry the babies to term <laughs> to, to do it. So I don't know. I mean, we've gone well off topic on this, but I don't know how much is going to make the, the actual show. But I think that, yeah, we do need to have these conversations, though, because when these things come up, Definitely. you've identified it. You as a bloke in the States have identified a comment that you thought, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's not cool actually. And, and that yeah. wasn't, you know, it was out of the blue, very just passive. Uh, yeah. Sexism, it it I seems, guess. seems sort of like a ma- ma- matter of fact type of thing. Yeah. And that's just how it is. So we should talk about it and we should give it the time to, uh, yeah. to discuss that. Cause you know, we don't agree with these, these things. I have a daughter, everyone. And, uh, you know, and I, I know that it, that doesn't mean that you're suddenly, a feminist <laughs> you know just because you got right. a daughter i get that but you know i do everything i can to make sure that the world my daughter is going to go into uh, is uh, one that is fair to yeah. everyone and open to everyone you know I've, i think i'm the one who really took us off topic on that but the the twists and turns mm-hmm. so the, there was what two big twists in this book one was yeah trip finding his professor and then the final one of the ultimate reality. Now, we briefly discussed this, yes, uh, when we recorded our last episode. And <laughs> you kind of told me that you kind of pieced it together as we were going. Yeah. 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 Um, as far like for, for me, the, the, the one that kind of sh- shocked me the most a little bit was, you know, finding, finding you know, uh, Professor Brodesser. Um the one, the one that I could kind of see coming though was that Trip was in, that they had, you know, come through an alternate reality because because of the anomaly. I was the other way completely. Like <laughs> I figured that the flashbacks to the Deedless project and things were leading towards finding out that that they were somehow involved in yeah. in the situation that the Enterprise was involved in now, and I had a few theories floating about that time travel going backwards and that's why they looked like them so similarly and things uh, and i expected we kind of could see the professor again but i was surprised at that moment when they saw him i think it just caught me mm-hmm. off guard then but i'd thought about it before but the alternate reality thing alternate universe that was not even in my head like as i realized that the final page or something was starting to piece together this <laughs> this amazing twist yeah. i was like whoa what's the twist i said like, what what the hell? What's going on? Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the book ended. I was like, oh my God. And I was like, how didn't I see it? And I was like, that's so smart. Uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the things they said, the slight differences. Uh, the water, uh, stereo isomers. Yeah, you know, the water hurting Hoshin and Trip and certain smells and tastes not being right that should be fine. Uh, just, just genius. And actually, if you think about it, there's precedent in Star Trek for this. In the track since, yeah. um, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of the Mirror Universe, where mm-hmm. we found out in Discovery that Terrans uh, couldn't really look at bright lights and things in the way yeah. that, in the way that we can, but otherwise they're exactly the same. So, um, so there is precedent for that. And maybe I should have been smarter and picked <laughs> up on it. But I mean, yeah, what- I guess, and, and and another thing that we found out also because of Discovery, you know, um, the if you cross realities and then you know jump in time your body kind of gets all wonky yeah. as well it all goes so. a bit wrong it all looks a bit painful um but yeah so i i did not see that final twist coming i thought the professor would show up i mean did you take the bits about like the professor saying his uh, granddaughter's name was different to what Trip was saying. Like, did you take that as another hint yeah. of the alternate reality? Or? Yes. Wow. Yes. At, at, for, at, wow. At, for you know, at first, at first though, I, I thought, I thought, you know, well, you know, Trant did say that you know his memories would, you know, kind of get, get faded and stuff, and you know, kind of muddled. But but then you know once you know once it happened again, I was like, okay, no, this guy's you know adamant that this is what it is. So it, it's got to be something alternate reality so wow no i didn't see I, didn't, I thought it was the whole thing that he was just going a bit crazy i thought it was going to lead to basically he was um 
given unreliable information to them. Yeah. I thought it was going to be that he was he was actually so gone in the head that um, that yeah the the information was going to land them because I knew a cliffhanger was coming. The book was getting to an end, uh, so I knew it, they weren't going to wrap it all up with that dictator guy. But um, but yeah, I did not see the actual twist come, and I, I'm interested to see where they go from here with it like, as well. Yeah. I guess that... yeah, I say, yeah, just because I saw it coming doesn't mean that I I don't want to know what's going to happen next. I mean, I I absolutely love it when I'm writing about stuff like this. So, what about the perspective of the book then? So, you know, we know Enterprise got uh, got taken. Uh, we know that mm-hmm. the crew were presumably taken off, and and the ship was just being prepped to be a warship for our aliens of the week. Yeah. And we never saw any of it. So we saw everything from Trip's no. perspective. I mean. Was there any time in the book where you were thinking, I really just kind of want to see just a little bit at least yeah, I, what's I, going there, on? There were points where I was like, okay, you know, I kind of kind of kind of want to see what's going on on, on our on our beloved enterprise, but I mean I, I get why why, you know, this choice that choice wasn't made just to kind of, you know, keep some of the the reveals and the secrets close to the vest. And it's possible that they twigged sooner on the Enterprise to what had been going on yeah. than Trip did because Trip was away from all his tech and things. I just wonder if they had included the Enterprise scenes and things, if it might have helped the book with the pacing because after the opening scene, uh, I say opening scene, that, that opening bit mm. where which ultimately led to Enterprise being attacked and Trip and Hoshi jumping into the, uh, the Sulaban cell ship and, and flying off into the asteroid belt. You know, that uh, the the book never really got lively again after that as much with the action. Yeah, um, a little bit of build with the pri- stuff in the prison breakout and, until probably about that, the the capturing scene. Yeah, so it, it kind of feels like if you'd had a little bit of the Enterprise crew in there, maybe getting interrogated and things like that, it might have just kept the energy levels of the book up a little bit. I think. Yeah, uh, I would have liked to have seen it, but I'm, I mean, I don't know what happens in book two i don't know if we're going to see those scenes there um but that, that would just back up what i said earlier about how it should have really been one whole book yeah uh, but i mean yeah how did you as i said like on the whole perspective from from trip i mean did you do you think trip do you think it worked having trip as the main voice of the book given he was being kind about a character i think the, the love i I, I think so i mean there. I can say really it was just just that one instance really that was out of character, but everything else was pretty much spot on with with how he would do. Um, I say we'll get get into this here here coming up with the with the prime directive and everything, but you know another another thing you know kind of going back to our our theories and stuff. Another thing I was thinking was you know kind of tying back to what price honor that there was going to be some there was some sort of body swap between. Uh, Brodesser and Sadir, and that's that's kind of kind of what all was was going to happen. But you know, that that was another theory I had. Who knows? You know, if if, if you've read if it, they... don't spoil it for me yet. So, <laughs> I think if you did that, it would show the author as being a one trick pony. <laughs> if uh, yeah, <laughs> if he resorted to that again in the next very next book, he he did. Um, yeah, I had loads of theories because it was obvious something was going on, wasn't it? And I did have lots of theories. I mean, at one point, mm-hmm. I wondered if actually Trip was with the bad guys who were seeing seeing the yeah. war one way, very much like in uh, Desert Crossing in season one, when Archer and mm-hmm. Trip don't realize that they've actually just made first contact with the uh, the terrorists on the uh, the with planet, the or at least what the <laughs> what the main uh, government consider to be terrorists anyway. So, uh, so I did wonder if that was going on, and and little loads, but the ultimate. Like ultimate timeline thing never, never came to me at all. I'm curious to see how that plays out, you know, and how they're gonna get back as well. I mean, because that means in the next yeah. book they can do whatever they want, really. You know, there's um, it gives them free reign apart from killing yeah. off Enterprise crew members. You know, there's free reign to do whatever the hell they want now. <laughs> so um, whatever damage they want to do to the Alpha Quadrant in that alternate timeline, uh, alternate universe, they can do it. So you know, I'm looking looking forward to that. Uh, I should ask as well about Hoshi. Do you think she got a bit sidelined, given that she was there for for most of it? Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it, it kind of seems like Stern didn't know exactly what to do with her. They kept finding different, Other than, reasons, you know, you, you, different reasons yeah. to not have her in the book. It was in the coma or just in sick bay recovering for a little bit after the water mm-hmm. thing. It was always finding reasons not to, um, yeah, not, not to feature her. So it was a bit, it kind of stuck out after a little while, didn't it? You know, you're kind of like, oh, all right, we're not going to yeah. tell she again. Like, but I guess it was yeah. to, she was there, yeah. I guess, mostly to show what could happen to a but, human in this reality. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, kind of does, does, you know, harken back to, to our discussion on Hoshi, you know, underappreciated and underused. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. More of the same, I guess. <laughs> so, um, this kind of you know ties back into to one of our earlier uh, podcast episodes, actually, which I just kind of kept. You know, how far would would you or yeah, how far would you go to to keep the prime directive? And you know, if and you know, would it depend on you know finding out certain things about what was going on, like like in in Trip's case? So obviously, Trip initially wouldn't. Well, he was asked, wasn't he, about uh, the warp technology? Mm-hmm. thinking you wouldn't supply it. Yeah. Um, but that changed when he realized that the warp technology that the villains had had come from the Daedalus project. Um, and so at that point, he thinks, well, we kind of have to even the odds, I guess, uh, and, you know, make things balanced yeah. out. So I, I would probably agree with Trip in that instance then. I think uh, he did it the Trip way. Um <laughs> In a little pun to our uh, Voyager podcast, yeah, yeah I think yeah. Trip Trip was right in that situation. Prior to that, I think I would have held off as well on saying yes to giving the warp yeah. tech because he, although he's buying into the the war story he was hearing, you know, he he didn't have all the facts about what was going on. He didn't know right. for sure. No matter what he'd seen, there could have been something else going on. It doesn't seem like there was, but um, you know, the ones he was with could have been more villainous than they were letting on. And I guess the, uh, the the thing that got me was how he was so quickly getting involved in their war. Um, yeah. You know, and I guess if he was doing that, he would have probably provided, he should have really provided the information. If he's going to fight a war with them, he probably should have told them everything they could have. I mean, how far do you go to protect the Prime Directive? But if you're looking at extermination on a planet, then I think you've got to do what you can to prevent that, haven't you? So if this evil dictator, yeah. Sadir, was it, or something, is going to... Uh, if you knew yeah, you could kind of uh, eradicate loads of life on the planet, then I think you would... If you couldn't give warp drive, you would kind of do what Trip was doing. You would help in every other way you could to mm-hmm. prevent that from happening. Um Otherwise, you you aided and abetted like genocide and things. Yeah, I don't know if that was necessarily going to happen here, though. It just seemed like these were the last rebels who needed to be eliminated. Because even they said the problem they're going to have when they um, when they took out Sadir was that the people they were still going to be the council. Yeah, and and the people of the planet might not necessarily be chuffed. As, yeah. So you're kind of thinking, well, in that instance is Sadir such a threat to his people that you have to uh, get involved ignore the prime directive which, I, I would say no which which I just thought of a of, a, of an interesting parallel you know when, when we went into Iraq in 03 yeah well and people make this argument now and you know they? this was probably written yeah you know what I'm thinking yeah. this is probably written be- because of At the same time. Uh, our involvement yeah. in, in Iraq yeah, gosh, now you're saying that. Because yeah. it was it was yeah. it was March of '03 when we went in, and this was released nine months end. later. Yeah, wow, there we go. Then and that's he... probably what <laughs> kind of inspired this whole this whole thing, or at least yeah, the Sadir side of things. And I mean, yeah, that adds another layer to it. Then as we chat about it, because you know, my thoughts on that yeah. Iraq war at the time, at least, uh, may not gel with what I think of what Trip should have done here now. But, but yeah, I wonder. I mean, what would you have done as Trip? Would you have shared warp technology and would you have uh, gotten involved to try and fix things? Or even was Trip just doing it because I, he thought Enterprise was gone? You know, this is, this is, he's got to have a life. He's got to do something. 
Will he be a soldier? Yeah. I think it's at a certain point that's that is what he was thinking because he didn't know, you know, what happened to Enterprise, you know, whether whether he was even going to go back to it. But this was all after he had decided to go ahead and get himself involved. But as for me, if I were in Trip's shoes, I probably I I definitely would have helped them, you know, like like he did, you know, get their their engines going, you know, to max efficiency and try to work out all the kinks in their jury rigged uh wiring and everything and kind of go go from there and you know as i I probably actually probably would have done everything exactly the same way trip did minus sleeping with the doctor oh yeah i wouldn't have i wouldn't have slept with with the doctor (laughs) as we established i think that that was a no pun intended but that was a dick move from trip i think that uh he uh if that had happened on tv i think they would have been a lot of disappointed Fans, not people, not yes. women whose hearts were broken, um, that it wasn't them. But I think women and men who would have been very, would have uh, been very like, disappointed that Trip had done that, <laughs> and particularly right. given that her husband actually, you know, the injuries he got was be- was from the evil dictator guy. You know, it was kind of yeah. like he got he got them during wartime, really. Uh, so he's kind of a hero, and now you're going to sleep with his wife, like. Mm-hmm. What the hell, man? That's that's not like, cool. That dude, breaks a lot of codes. <laughs> that breaks a lot of codes. Yeah, in this one, there's only like a few episodes that I re- I really picked out, and also that was mentioned on uh, Memory Beta was you know the communicator and, and Broken Bow, mainly just due to the the Sulaban cell ship. Uh, was there anything else that you were kind of thinking of? Uh, not really. This? Yeah, not really. Okay. Off the top of my head, I mean, lots of lots of mentions to the communicator. Uh, particularly in the first half of the book, I think um, the communicator, yeah. which is great because that's one of my God. We always talk about hidden gems, but you know the communicator is such <laughs> a such a great little episode of the show. So um, to see it so prominently mentioned in this book was was nice, yeah. and and I appreciated that as a as a fan of the show. For me, for me, that's one of, one of my one of my favorites too, just because of the the cloaked arm. Really, so <laughs> the bit that I disliked about the episode, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, what what's your uh, final thoughts here on on Daedalus? I guess a, a lot of the stuff I kind of said in my initial thoughts. I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much, mm-hmm. but I should say that I enjoyed this book. I did enjoy it. Yeah, not to the same degree that I did what what Price Honor, but I did enjoy this book. I wish more had gone on in the book i wish there'd been more events mm-hmm. taking place in it just because i wanted more you know not not because i was bored but because i just wanted yeah. more out of it uh, but it's possible that a lot of the groundwork was getting laid for part two to become this chaotic action sure. adventure book so you know I'm, I'm making these comments it's like watching the first part of a season that you see the season finale and now you're waiting four months for the the resolution in in the next season you know it would we don't for, know what's yeah. gonna come yeah same here for me like, like, like i've said you know i've i enjoyed the enjoyed it and really can't wait to read the next one the expanse a star trek enterprise podcast is produced and hosted by chris hill and myself kyle west and is a part of the Holosuite media podcast network to keep up to date with all the news and updates from the expanse be sure to follow nx01 podcast on twitter instagram and facebook you can find chris hill on twitter at the chris hill and myself on twitter at kyle thomas west to join the Holosuite media community discussion group simply type the nexus into the facebook search bar and we'll see you there thank you for listening This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Star Podtrek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's 
vision of their future. And remember that Gene Roddenberry wrote the novel for the motion picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, about the search for God and everything, that part of it. And there's a lot of details in that novel that didn't make it to the picture that actually opens up the scope of the Star Trek universe even more so. I mean, it's a great reading. Yeah, he put he put other stuff in it. And but you know, but I, but Scotty being a drunk, I don't know why. He, like, why wouldn't know, Scotty just yeah, continue yeah. to be an engineer and you know be a proud worker and Starfleet officer? Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. And then the Doctor's just like, oh, this mumbo-jumbo, and walks over and is like, you put the Coyote Stone <laughs> here, which will then, I don't know, put Chakotay into the mountains of the antelope women. What the fuck? What is an antelope woman? Well, the mountains of the antelope woman would be her boobies. <laughs> So yeah, he's probably not coming back from boob land. You definitely don't want to divert Chikosei to there then, no. Not at all. <laughs> Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Starbase 1, a Star Trek Online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning, the structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase 1. Welcome to Starbase 1. I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase 1 is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.